Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Today we're in, uh, I think, part five of a series we just started a few weeks ago called Core. Uh, and we've been talking about how to become strong, how to be strong from the start. Uh, and we've been looking through like the different core elements of being a follower of Christ. What, what are all involved in that? And so we talked about things over the past couple weeks uh, like, uh, you know, it's more about a relationship than it is about a religion. We talked about putting God first. Uh, we talked about doing life in community and how important that is. Uh, last week we, you heard Elizabeth say that I talked about uh, the importance of serving as we are following uh, Christ. And so if you missed any of those, uh, you can check it out online at coastlinensb.com, or you can find us on YouTube. I also want to take a quick second to welcome the church that is uh, watching online. Uh, I know uh, every week we have something like 30 to 40, 40 to 50 people uh, that do Sunday, uh, whether it's uh, on, their, on their couch or out on the boat or at the beach. Uh, they're doing church online, and uh, man, I think that's a part of our church as much as coming here in person is. And so thank you for all the people tuning in online. I think it's going to be good. This morning I want to pray for us as we jump in and talk about this next core uh, part of what I think following Christ entails. So you guys okay with praying with me? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for everything you continue to teach us. I thank you for uh, the lessons we learn along the way. I thank you for the change that happens in our lives, for the people you bring into our lives. And, and, uh, and God, I pray that you would continue us on the path that continue to glorifies you. I pray that we would bring change, that we would bring uh, the light of your love to the world that is around us. And I thank you so much for what's coming ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen. Amen. One of the things that um, is tough to deal with uh, in this world we live in right now, the culture that we have, whether as Americans or, or maybe just this culture that, uh, is, is that we live in in this 2021 year, um, is the idea of living in any type of tension, right? Uh, right now, I mean, we could throw off a number of topics that would immediately strike tension into the room and into our hearts, into our lives, even even our families. You know, we could we could start talking about different ideas and thoughts about COVID, and that would create tension uh, in in our in our families or in our conversation. Uh, we could talk about politics. Uh, we could we could talk about we could talk about lots of things. There's lots of things that we could bring up right now that create tension in the world that we live in. And the problem that we're having with all these things is not so much, I think, the individual issues as one of the main issues is, like, we can't, we can't deal with tension. Like, right now, the, 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 our culture says the way you deal with tension is to get away from it. To, to, to push it away, to make it, make it act like it, it didn't happen, you know, it's not happening at all, to, to step away from it and further yourself from the tension as much as, much as you can. Problem is, I, I don't think that's a very healthy way, that's, a, that's not a very healthy way uh, to, to do life. I think part of, part of good tension is a, is a part of how we continue to grow, not, not only as humans, but I believe also as, as believers, how, how we grow with, with one another. And so today, I want to I challenge you with this, of, 
of what we're going to talk about uh, today might spark some tension in you. And the, and the initial feeling is going to be like, oh, man, no, I don't, let's not talk about that. Or, man, I don't really, I wish this isn't the Sunday I invited my friend to come to church or, or whatever. Um, in that tension, I want to give you the freedom to sit in it for just a little bit. Because I think, I think when it comes to tension, good tension can actually help us grow. You think about like people that are, that are weightlifters and stuff like that, you know, that, that, that are bodybuilders or that are really fit. Part of the way they got that way, part of their way they, they're so healthy is because they've learned how to sit with and live with tension. You know, Erica and I, uh, uh, we have a great relationship, um, very good relationship. I made the mistake a couple of months back to say we don't have a really good relationship. I didn't mean, to mean that. But one of the things that happened this past week as I was looking on Facebook is I saw that me and you have been friends for like 13 years now. That's pretty crazy, right? We've been married for 10 of them. I know that for a fact. Not even second guessing. But 13 years we've been friends. And in that amount of time, one of the things that's helped us have a healthy relationship is not to shy away from tension. There's many conversations that we've had that have, have had some tension in them, right? Most of them have to do with me leaving my clothes all around the house and not, in the, not in the, where it's supposed to be. You know, flip-flops, not leaving them by the door. We've got tension when we have conversations about how great of a mom you are and you're just too good of a wife. Lots of tension with that. But part of how we've learned to work through it is to continue to talk about it and continue to sit in it and figure out how, how we can grow through it together. Specifically today, I want to talk about something that might create a little bit of tension in you, and that's, that's the idea and thought of being generous through our financial giving. Now, one of these things that that's tough for me to talk about with this as a pastor is because I understand part of what I feel like God's calling me to do in Coastline is, is to create a church where it's comfortable for people that are far from God, people that are, that are unchurched or dechurched, to be able to find him and have a relationship with Jesus. And I understand that for, for those people, if that's you sitting in the room today, there's lots of tension that might be involved in this. You might be here today, you might be a part of Coastline for many years, and you, you feel tension even when, as we, we start to gear up to talk about this right now. And, and, and I want to tell you this, I'm, I'm not going to try to alleviate the tension this morning. But what I am going to hope that you do, and what we can all do together, is to sit in it for a little bit for the betterment of ourselves, for the betterment of our church and betterment of our community. I know this is something that we should do because... We, we see this specifically even when it comes to parenting. You know, uh, Erica and I have a, um, we have two kids. We have Olivia and Ben. And uh, Olivia is seven years old. And uh, Olivia asked the question the other day, like, Mommy, what is sex? And at seven years old, like, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not one, that's not something that I was, there's a little bit of tension in that question, right? As, as a father, as a mother, there's lots of, but as we sat there and talked about it, as Erica and I talked about it, as we talked about it with some of our friends, we've got some friends that are, that are you know, raising a teenage girl, and, and they're telling us the questions that they're saying. We realize that like, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to leading, when it comes, there's a responsibility that we have to sit in the tension and help teach through it, help through it, and help people grow through it. Parents, this is a side note. I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to the tense conversations that your teenager or your child wants to have, I'm going to tell you right now, talk about all of it. Allow them to express whatever and, and teach them through it. Because if you don't, somebody's going to. 
and they might get wrong information along the way. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be what's best for you, best for your family, and best for them. And so that heart this morning, this, this tense conversation that we might have, the tension you might feel in it, I want you to know it comes from a position very much of love. And I think that when we, when we talk about giving, when we talk about generosity, when we talk about tithe, myself, the, the position of our church, and, and I believe even the position of the God that we serve is that this of we don't want anything from you, but we do want something for you. And I think when it comes to us and, and our core as we continue to grow and follow Jesus, the generosity that we, we build up inside and the generosity and the character that we have will strengthen us and allow us to do more than what we could do on our own. Amen? And so one of the guys that, uh, you know, I think never shied away from, from tension or tense moments is actually Jesus himself. I love watching, you know, in the, in the Gospels, listening to the stories and reading the stories of how Jesus talked to Pharisees and stuff. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we grew up with this, like, precious moments mentality of who Jesus is. Right? He's this, like, he's this, you know, young uh, rabbi, and he's, like, everything is, like, turn the other cheek, and he's easygoing and stuff like that. But, like, whenever I read, it's like Jesus, Jesus had a little, he had a little sarcastic streak in him, Right? There's a lot of times he, he asked some questions that, like, he wasn't really asking. He was telling them, right? There was a little, like, a little passive-aggressive you kind of feel in. You're like, oh, Jesus, you got a little, got a little toot this morning, you know? But, but there, was, there was times in which Jesus just wasn't go with the flow. Let's find what's comfortable for everybody. There's times where he even created tension himself. And one of them specifically, all, all the, he, he, you'll, you'll see throughout the Gospels uh, and even into the New Testament, you see uh, Jesus and the disciples, they, they teach about money and finances a lot. But one of the things that, that Jesus got on everybody for was a, a financial situation here in the book of Mark, chapter 11, verse 15. It says this, if you, uh, if you got your version app, you can pull it up, or if you got a physical Bible, you can look there too. But it says, when they arrived in Jerusalem... Jesus entered the temple. Now, many of us, we came into church today. We don't, we don't do church in a temple. We do church in an auditorium, right, that we turn into a sanctuary or whatever. It's just a big room. But how do we all come into church this morning? Everybody was happy, right? Everybody's dressed really nice, right? Uh, everybody's acting like we didn't get in a fight in the minivan on the way, on the way here with all our kids, right? Like you didn't have to hog tie your daughter to brush her hair. Like we act like that didn't happen. We're like, oh man, it's so good to see you. Happy Sunday, right? We're all laughing because that's so true. And so you think Jesus and the disciples are coming into Jerusalem and here's the big, t- and they're coming into the temple and everybody's gonna be high five and it's gonna be a good time. And that's not what happened. Because we see what happens is it says, it says he came, uh, as he says, and he began, it says, as he entered the temple, he began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. It says he knocked over the tables of money changers and the, and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to him, the scripture declares, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. I can't help but think like how we see Jesus respond here is not the precious moments Jesus. This is the like, I'm, I'm ticked and I'm going to lose it on somebody, Jesus. This is to the point where he's like, enough is enough. And I can't help but realize that 
the thing that drives them over the edge, it's, it's the idea of theft, the idea of deception with one another, and mainly it's about greed. He sees these people use this place that God wanted them to create as, as a way for them to, to cheat people and, and, and continue to have money. It's, it's, it's because of greed. This misunderstanding, this misuse of finances, this mispursuit of, of what is true and what is important in life. They had turned the church, they had turned the temple into something that it was not. I think one of the things that we have got to guard in our own selves is this, is if we are the temple, if individually we're, we're where the, the Holy Spirit can dwell, if we're the temple of the Lord, then at some point we've got to guard our own selves of how we view and how we feel about and how we use finances. There's got to be a part in which we, we defend and we guard and we understand, God, this is what you want in this area. Now, some of you are like, Brian, like, I'm going to be real with you, bud. Uh, like, you're talking about greed and all this stuff. And, like, I don't have any, any way to be greedy. I'm just trying to make it paycheck. I'm just trying to survive out here, man. I'm going to tell you, I, I, I understand where you're coming from because, I, like, I've been there. I, understand, I know what it feels like to try to live paycheck to paycheck. It's, it's not a very easy thing at all. Some of us, the reason why like, we, we say like, well, when it comes to, to giving, we can't do it is because, you're, Brian, I just don't, I don't, have the, I don't have the ability to. I don't have extra money to. Like, like I think if God gave me the money, I would be generous, right? Anybody had that thought before? You can be, I'll, I'll raise both of my hands. That's all right. Like, I've thought, like, well, God, if you just, you know, if you, you know, let me make 100 grand a year, like, I'll be more generous, right? You let me win the, anybody done the lottery prayer? Be, be honest. Dear Jesus, as I pick, as I do this quick pick, five. I promise you, I'm going to give half of it to the church. I'm going to do good with the rest of it. I'm going to buy a boat, but that's about it. Right? You've all done that before. You know what it's like. But when it comes to wealth, when it comes to us having enough, when it, when it, us, when it comes to us being successful, I think a lot of it has to do with more of the, percep- the perception of how we think other people see us and how we live in accordance with the people around us. But the truth is, if, if you came to church this morning in, in a vehicle that you own, that's in your name, you are in the top 6 to 9% of people in the world when it comes to wealth. Some of us, we came into the, I'm just going to be honest, Eric and I, we didn't even have our kids this week. We drove in two separate cars to church this morning. That was mostly so we don't have that fight on the way in and have to hogtie someone to brush their hair. It was great. It was what. But, but in perspective of our, the world that we live in, we're, we're in the top 6 to 10% of people. We, we are incredibly blessed. And so I think when it comes to how you view yourself and your success or your finances, a lot of it has more to do with, with the position of your heart than it does the perspective of other people around you. And I think specifically when it comes to, to being generous, when it comes to giving, I know that it has more to do with my heart than it has to do with the amount or the finances that are going out. I, I, I think that's the reason why it's such a big deal. Because I'm going to be honest, like God doesn't need, God doesn't need my money. God, God doesn't need the things, God, God can do without it. But what God does want 
is my heart. And the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus ties into this concept of, of it's not so much about the, the, the financial amount. Later on when he talks about this in the book of Mark chapter 12, this is just a couple of chapters later. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowd dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped two small coins. Jesus, he, he called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than any of the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor she has, has given everything she had to live on. Jesus says, tells him it's not, about, it's not about the amount, but it's about the heart and what she had given it. You know, uh, this, this is a side note, but we kind of live in a, a, a part where people think, and I'm going to get in this into a minute, but they think, they think, Brian, you know, it's like tithing and all that is, is something that, like, that's an Old Testament principle, you know, and, I, and I, that's a, the, the old law. And since Jesus came, you know, we don't, have to, we don't have to deal with any of that. We're living in grace and, 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 and all that. And I would tell you, I would tell you that when, when, I saw G, when I read what Jesus said about the law, Jesus didn't, he didn't do away with the law. He said that he, he completed the law. He fulfilled the law. And he goes on and he actually elevates it. As when they talk to him about like, like how they obey all the laws, he says, they say, you know, the law says thou shalt not murder. And he says, if I tell you if you've ever hated anyone, you're guilty of murder. He says the law says that you, that you shouldn't even commit adultery. But he says, I tell you, if you even looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. He elevates the law. And in Back again, this is not something for us to get legalistic with. But I think because we're outside, because we live in grace, it doesn't mean we just throw everything out that was learned along the way. Because I believe that the Bible says God said he's the same yesterday, today, forever. And I think yesterday he wanted the Israelites' hearts. Today he wants to know that he has our hearts and he wants to teach our children that he wants their heart as well. He wants to have that full relationship with them. It's all about the heart. It's not about your finances. You know, some people say that thing of like, Brian, well, if I, if I just had money, if I just made a little bit more money, like I would, I would be generous to the people around me. I'd be generous to the church. I would help those that are in need. And that, that sounds good, but like statistics show that's like, that's just not true. Statistics show that in America, the average family in America will generously give to other organizations or to people or whatever. They'll give 2.6% of their income annually. And you would think that, like, that you would see that number expand or get a little bit bigger for people that like, made more money. But it says actually that it does the opposite. That people that make over $100,000 a year would actually give somewhere around 2.2%. Generosity, I don't believe, has anything to do with the finances. It has very little to do with finances. It has more to do with your heart. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 to 10, he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I want to stop right there. This is the biggest 
this is one of my biggest parts of what I believe and what I want to defend when it comes to us giving and being generous and us tithing. Because I, I, I think in the past, I've, I've seen or I felt or may, maybe I just assumed that many of the, the conversations about this, about being generous, were done out of manipulation or it was done out of obligation. But that's not the relationship that Jesus wants. Erica, the other day, um, this uh, man, I'm, this is where I'm going to not put my foot in my mouth, own mouth, but tell tell about my, uh, I'm about the world's okayest husband. I'm not not a bad husband, not a good husband. I'm I'm the world's okayest husband. Erica uh, brought home her own roses the other day. Everyone says, "Oh, you're in trouble, right?" That's bad. She brought home her own roses, and I immediately was like, "Man, I gotta make sure. I gotta make sure I get her roses, and I'm, I will. I promise." But in our conversation, she at some point said, "Like, I, I wouldn't want you to get me roses if like you felt like it was an obligation or a chore." That's, that's not what it's, I don't want you to get me things. I don't want you to write me a card or whatever because it's a checklist or it's a chore that you got to write off so that, that we can be cool with one another. I, I don't want that. I don't want you to wash the dishes for me, which I do very, would you rather me bring you roses or wash the dishes? I'll wash the dishes, all right, sweet. Those things don't happen, shouldn't happen out of obligation. They should happen out of love and relationship and cheerfulness with one another. That's the, same, that's the same thing that God wants. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generous to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. See, we have this concept of like when we get, when we have enough, we will be generous. But Paul says, no, no, that's not, it happens in reverse of that. It happens opposite than what, than what you think, than what the world says. So you've got to be generous first. And so today, I want to talk about three elements of this thing that you've maybe heard in church before, this, this thing called tithing. These are three truths about about the tithe and what it means what it means for you what it means for you and I specifically the word tithe comes from the hebrew word and i'm going to probably butcher this but it's a maosir which means uh, one tenth and so we see all the way back even before the law in the time of abraham abraham took a tenth of his harvest and he sacrificed it and he gave it to god saying god this you've already provided me all of this you've given me everything i want to be obedient and show you that, that the love i have for you and i'm going to respect i'm going to say i'm going to give you 10% of it back and from that we get this idea of of a tenth of of giving one tenth of our of our gross of what comes in we turn around and say god you already gave it to us. It was yours anyways. We're going to give it back to you out of obedience, out of love, and out of admiration. So in this thing, this thing tithe means one-tenth. It actually has some pretty significance, you know. Uh, I'm not big into numerology. Anybody know what numerology is? It's like the study of numbers. 
I'm not, I'm not really good at it. I'm not really, that's not something I've dived into, but I, I've, I've learned a little bit about, about it this week. And in when it comes to numbers, the study of numbers, you know, the, the number seven stands for something pretty specific. It stands for the, the number of completion or perfection, right? God made heaven and earth and made all creation within seven days. It's the perfect, the perfect number. How many of you guys have seen the number 40 in the Bible before? The 40 is supposed to represent preparation. So you've got one number, number seven, that, 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 that represents perfection. Number 40 would be uh, that of preparation, which you see the, like, the, the Israelites, after leaving Egypt, they go into the wilderness for how many years? 40, right? We see Jesus, before the start of his ministry, before he's tempted by the devil, he goes, in, he, he is, he's, uh, he goes into a time of fasting for how many days? 40 days, right? When it comes to the number 10, that tenth, that ten actually comes into it. It's a number for testing. So you see that that when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, God sent how many plagues to Egypt? Ten, right? It was this, they were, they were, there was this testing that was happening. As they come out of Egypt, God gives them ten commandments to test their resolve and to to get them ready for the the forty years that they're going to spend in preparation before they go into the uh, to the promised land, right? Jesus tells this story about towards the end of time in which, which there'll be a, a splitting of ways, and he uses uh, these ten ladies, these ten virgins, and five of them are ready for the coming of the, bri- the bridegroom. Five of them are not. But it's this, this, this number ten is used for testing. Jesus had how many disciples? Twelve. I was testing you. Jesus had twelve. See what I did there? Ten is for testing. And so I think when it really com- when it comes to, to when it comes to this this idea of tithing, the first thing I think you need to know about this is tithe equals a test. I think when it comes to tithing, when it comes to giving ten percent, I think I think it's a test for two people. I think it's a test for us because it's hard to say like God, I I'm going to give you a tenth, but I'm going to do it because I'm putting you first. But also God says. Also, God says, this is something you can test me in. Tithe is for testing. Real quick, I, this is a side note. When it comes to tithing, I understand how hard it is to, like, you, especially if it's not something to you to, like, start doing it. You're like, Brian, I, I can look through my budget. I don't have an extra 10%. And I, and I want to tell you this. Part of that stems from understanding where it comes first. And it doesn't make a lot of worldly sense. But I promise you, if when you come on, the first thing you do is you say, you know what, I'm going to worship God through my tithing. I promise you, and I don't have to promise you, God promise there's going to be enough for the rest. But you've got to understand where it comes from first. See, the tension is this. If, if you think that if, if this is an area of your life that you only control and that you're only responsible for, like you should feel tension in it. Because like what I am capable of doing on my own and what I'm capable of bringing in and make happen, like, is so much less than what God can do with me. And so there is this idea that you should protect it. But if you think of it from a perspective of like, well, this is God's. God's given me this. God's got a whole lot more of that if he can trust you to do the right thing with it. It's about a test of your heart. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, uh, this is the 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 the, the um, prophet Malachi is talking to uh, 
talking for God. He's saying, hey, this, he says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there would be enough food in my temple. Now, when he's saying food, he's saying that because that was like, that was the currency of the day. Like you would bring in corn or wheat or a goat or whatever that you had. That's, that's what you would give. That's how you would be obedient and faithful through worshiping through your giving. He says, in the same way, he will provide, and, oh, sorry, I'm, I just skipped verses there. Hold on a second. He says, if you do, says the Lord of heavenly armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the one time in the Bible where we see God says, test me. See if it won't happen the way I say it will. It, 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 it doesn't make sense. Tithe equals a test, but it also equals teaching. See, see, when we do this, it gives us an opportunity to continue to learn and grow our faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 through 11 says this. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase our resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Anyone want to be enriched? Anyone want to be generous? It says, when we take your gifts, er, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. When you tithe, one of the major results that happens is your faith will continue to be strengthened. You, you will learn more about your faith. You will dive deeper into your faith. And as it teaches you, you have an opportunity for, for your tithe that was a test that turned into a lesson to turn into a testimony. When Erica and I, you know, 13, 13 years we've been friends. Uh, we got married April 15th, 2011, right? And, uh, Man, I, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, we lived in this little two-bedroom, one-bathroom house, and that was a struggle. One bathroom. I did not know how, how long you women used the bathroom for. Like, not even for going to the bathroom, just like getting yourself ready. Erica would say, I don't know how long men use the bathroom. We don't get ourselves ready in there. But I remember after we got married, as we're trying to figure out with one another, like this dance of like how we live with one another and how we manage things, it came time for us to have this conversation about what we do with our finances. And as, as we're sitting there, we're budgeting, I felt this conviction that the first thing that we're supposed to do, first thing we should do is we, we, we worship through our tithing. We give 10% from the very top. And Eric and I both sat there and wrestled with it. He's like, dude, I mean, I'm doing, the, I'm doing the rest of the math on this. There's a lot of red at the end of the week. It doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I said, babe, I'm, I'm looking at the word, and, and God's saying that this is something we should test him in, and this is something that we've got to continue to put our faith in him first before anything else. I, I, think, I think this is just what we've got to do. And so 
together we sat down and we stroked this check. And it was, was not a very big check at all. Very tiny check. But it was big for us. And we gave it. And that, that night when we got home, Erica and I went and we went to go get something out of the back seat of our car. And on the ground, up under the seat, was um, an envelope. And in the envelope, didn't have a letter. I don't even think it said, I think it said Brian and Erica on the front of it. Inside of it was $500 cash. It was about about double, if not more than that, of the check that we had written. And as she holds it up, and as we look at it, and we open it, and we're like, it's hard not to like have our joy swell up within us. Tears of happiness because we see God show up. And $500 might not be a big deal to you, but for a young couple just starting out that didn't have anything, Five, it could have been five. It could have been fifty thousand dollars, and it, it allowed our faith to grow just so much. And so we never turned back. We kept worshiping in that way, worshiping in that way, worshiping in that way, and our faith continued to grow. Our faith continued to grow. We started making a little bit more money. We just kept doing the same thing. We kept tithing the same way came down to a few years later we felt God's call to plant coastline and part of that planting of coastline was hey you I don't know when it's going to start you have to step away from your job and you have to figure out a way to to make some money or pay for yourself we didn't have a whole lot of money saved up but the one thing that we did have a whole lot of uh, was faith because we had seen God show up because God had shown up in the past, our faith was strengthened. And so he said, man, we're just going to do it. And so for like six months, like we didn't, we didn't get a paycheck, and God continued to provide all along the way. Not one time did we go without food. I think one time we had to go through and count a bunch of quarters to try to get some contact solution. That'll humble you. You go through a sock full of quarters, $23 in quarters or whatever it was. But our faith continued to grow. And I remember getting before the, the launch team at Coastline just a few years ago and saying, I, I don't know where we're going to get it, but if we're going to start this church, we've got to raise $40,000. And I don't know how it's going to come in, but i got faith. God told me to do this. He's showing up all along the way, so let's just do it. And like 10 days later, it was all raised. I remember planning for grand opening with a small amount of equipment that we had and a hurricane coming and shutting it down. And for the next three weeks, we couldn't meet in the place we were supposed to meet. But I wasn't worried because along the way, my faith had been strengthened. My faith had been strengthened. My faith had been strengthened. And on that first week in which we couldn't meet, I met with a guy who gave me a truck and a trailer and a bunch of equipment to go out and do church planning better than what we could have ever even planned or thought to do. As I continue to be obedient, as I continue to give to God first, my faith continues to be strengthened. 
just a little over a year ago, the staff and I are getting together and we're praying and we're worried about COVID and what does it mean for our church and what we're going to do, what does it mean for the people in our church. I said, you know what, we're going to pray about it, but we're not going to worry because we're going to have faith and God's going to work it out. And here we are today. It's been like 18 months. People are still finding Jesus. The church is still going strong. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about what's ahead because my faith has been strengthened. That stemmed, I promise you, that stemmed from one moment in which me and my wife sat down and said, God, above everything else, we know it comes from you. We're going to have faith. We'll be faithful, and we're going to tithe. And so I don't tell you that story today to try to manipulate you or obligate you to tithe or to give here at Coastline or to come off of a dollar at all. That's not, that's not what this is about. But what it is about is that because of me taking one step of obedience and having faith, I saw God show up. And that's what I want to see for you to happen in your life. I want to see God show up. And we have this one area, this very physical area, this very tangible area that means a lot to all of us. And God Almighty says, if, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just have faith in me with this one thing, if you'll te- even test me in this, I'm going to show up. And, and that's what my hope is for you. Now that Coastline brings in a lot of money, now that someone drops money on us so we can buy a piece of property, God's still providing for us. He's taking care of us. But man, I would love the day in which people come up and say, Brian, let me show you how God showed up. Let me show you about this house I've been praying for, that God provided a way where I didn't think there was a way. Let me show you about, let me show you about this, this new job I've got. Let me, talk, let me tell you about this business I've started that I couldn't do on my own. But because I stepped out in faith and said, God, you have your way. I'm going to trust you with this area of my life. He showed up. Man, that, those are the things worth celebrating. Those, those, are, those are the miracles. But the only way it happens is if we'll surrender and we'll have faith, we'll allow our faith to grow. And this is just one tangible way. And so this morning... I mean, this is not, we've already taken the offering. I'm not going to ask you to give or anything like that. I just want you to sit in the tension of this for this week. Where's your heart when it comes to your finances? Who do you trust first? And where does it come from? And, and just sit, sit in that tension for a week. And it's, it's okay. I promise you, you'll survive. I promise you, you'll grow. And if you choose him and take that step of faith, I promise you, you'll change. And for the better. With that, I'm going to pray for us. TJ, I'm sorry I've gone over on time, and so we're not going to be able to sing one song. Uh, but I appreciate you guys coming up. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as a good father that you are, I thank you so much for providing for us and protecting us along the way. God, I pray that you would continue to allow us to sit in the protection of your Holy Spirit, but allow us to grow in the tension of what you've called us to in changing. 
So I pray that this morning that your Holy Spirit would put it on our hearts to not seek what is comfortable, but to seek what you have challenged us with. And I pray that as we continue to choose you, that we would grow and become better and that our families would become better and stronger and that our faith would grow so that the day when it comes for us to step into that thing that we couldn't do on our own, that we're not capable of making happen on our own. God, our faith has been strengthened along the way and we trust fully in you. I thank you so much and I believe that as we choose you, the best is still yet to come. Amen and amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.